All right. So there was a post on um, the Bring Back Exo Squad uh, Facebook group, which I had to say has been a great source of entertainment for me of late. Uh, one of the better, one of the best things comes out of the doing pod. Oh wow, I just fumbled that one. One of the best things has come out of doing this podcast, aside from actually just doing the podcast and getting to hang out with uh, everybody um, and have like a nice something to look forward to every couple of weeks, has been uh, finding this facebook page but nevertheless there was an interesting post this week uh where someone was asking the question of like have you ever stopped and wondered what in the world would uh made humanity think they could create a slave race of humans and send them off into space to labor on their behalf and it's like it's actually kind of a good question <laughs> like what was the impetus behind making genetically engineering a bunch of like space mutants to then like go off and do slave labor Especially, especially because like after they make the first one and they're like, "Oh, this thing is basically human. Maybe it'll have feelings and want freedoms." Well, I wonder about that, right? Because if you think about the fact that even at fifty years after the rebellion, in like the now time of of Extra Squad's universe they still think like neo sapiens don't have feelings right they keep telling you know like they'll talk yeah. to like you know like oh marcella you don't really have emotions the same way we do and he's like um yes i do i just don't show them i mean you know i oh, go ahead i was gonna say i don't want to get like too academic about it but I, this is like literally how actual slavery <laughs> started right is that you yeah uh, construct, create, whatever you want to call it, a class of human being that's not really considered human because then it's okay to do these things to them, right? Like, that's the great irony of... Uh, how do I say this? Without trying to oversimplify, right? Like, the irony of something like the transatlantic slave trade and enslaving people also during the Age of Enlightenment or, like, mm -hmm. you know, the Enlightenment is happening and it's like, wow, humans are capable of rationality and, like... Oh my god, look at all these amazing things we can invent and create and we're so fucking smart, like philosophizing about what it means to be a human being at the same time that then Europeans are going to other places and being like, eh, you're not really human. Like you look a bit like a human being, but right. you're not <laughs> human enough to like qualify for uh rights. Enlightenment <laughs> like became part of the justification for that process, right? Like it was like, oh, right. we've climbed yeah, yeah. this high up the we we've climbed up the civilizational ladder. Now we're going to come along and encounter you further down and say, hey, like, we're going to enslave you, of course, but this is our way of helping you become civilized and teaching you how to mm. be, you know, like a civilized being and all this sort of stuff. Although I don't think there's that same, like, like, it's not altruism, really. It's not obviously not actually altruism, the same, but like this like no. shitty altruistic justification for it. I don't even think you get that. Honestly, I, yeah. I, I wonder if it's not something like you know mining in space is hard uh you know we send all these people out to the outer belt to mine and a lot of them died and it was expensive and we struggled to keep them alive so let's engineer these people and we'll engineer them so they won't have feelings in the same way and they won't have our human creativity they'll be lower down on that like on that kind of ladder than we are so it'll be fine to send them out they won't complain they don't have feelings it'll no big deal and you can yeah. kind of so, see the rebellion as being this moment where it's like, oh, yeah, um, maybe they do. <laughs> maybe they don't like this. Oops. Let's kill them. So all. my well, my thought process. So recently I've been watching an anime called 87. 
I think it's called, 86 or 87, that's, that's the name of it. Um, and the premise of the show is that there, there is a country that's being attacked by like these AI tanks and the, uh, there's a race of like white-haired people and they've all been convinced that anyone who isn't part of that race is, are like pigs who failed to evolve into humans. Yeah, it's a real rough show. Like it does not pull any punches. Oh, um, yeah, and so like, but like, there's there's one person like the one of the protagonists in the show is just like, but that's not right. They're just people, and she's trying to tell everyone, but she's but she's constantly overshadowed. By basically propaganda and marketing, so probably you know if we if you made like a quote unquote realistic version of it, they probably made Neo Sapiens, and so there was a group of people who was like, no, you can't just make sentient beings and force them into labor. Like that's 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 just slavery. Right. And but then there was probably a like a wave of propaganda and marketing that was like these aren't people yeah. they're just they're made in a lab you know we can use them for this stuff don't don't start to project your human needs onto your robot servant like right. and there's probably some like really like fucked up corporatized twist on like you know identity politics um, or like, um, not twist, but like, uh, you know, kind of incorporation or like whatever of identity politics. We're like, it's it's problematic to ascribe human feelings to these beings. That's not who they are. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I and imagine you, like oh. uh, Starship Troopers style propaganda videos. You know, just would you like being to know beamed more? into everyone's kitchen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you could see, I mean, yeah, you might have, like, it, it would probably become one of these culture war issues where people, like, are just arguing about it on whatever their version of, like, Exo Twitter is. Um, and then, but then, like, the companies actually, because, you know, like, by this point, probably you have, um, like, genomes and stuff as intellectual property. So, like, they have copyrighted mm. all these genetic processes for making something like them. So it's, like, their property anyway, whatever company invented them. And so there's nothing you can really do about it anyway. People just debate over it, but it's like firmly like the law is on the side of whatever company builds these things that like they own them, period, because they own the patents on the genes and all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. Ah. And also, like, not to start the show on too depressing a note, but I mean, we already kind of live in a world where that happens. And like, again, not trying to take anything away from the the specificity of like chattel slavery um, and the transatlantic like slave trade but you know we also live in a society now where like most of our clothing is produced in sweatshops in southeast asian countries um predominantly women but not you know only but they're working in like really awful conditions and being severely abused and exploited and underpaid um like it's horrific and so you know you just don't see that or you don't have to think about it on a daily basis so it's also like not it's not that far removed that humans would just take it one step further in the future and be like oh we'll just yeah create like a slave race to yeah. do all this work for us and if you're happily on earth you know reaping the benefits like you don't have to think about neo sapiens on mars or whatever like it's yeah. so far removed from your daily life yep. yeah yeah i think you're absolutely right and to that point Someone in the comments on that Facebook post mentions, uh, in a capitalist world, we are all the quote-unquote space slaves. <laughs> it's like, I mean, <laughs> you kind of have a point there, bro. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the future is bright. As, as my good friend Sonic the Hedgehog once told me, there's no such thing as ethical consumption in capitalism. Now go eat a chili dog. <laughs> Are you serious? Is that like in an episode of... No, it was some meme I saw. Though. <laughs> it's beautiful, though. I wish, I wish Jamal White had done that. Like, if I, if I, if he's on OnlyFans, wait, is that, that's the, that's the guy who played Steve Urkel, right? Yes, Jamal, Jamal White. White. Yeah, if he's, oh man, if he, if he is cheap on, um, not on OnlyFans, some, what's the, not, I mean, not I mean, OnlyFans, he might be on OnlyFans, OnlyFans too, what's, I mean, that might be worth checking out. <laughs> what's, what's, what's that, what's that service where they, where you pay celebrities to say things? It's not like oh shout out, but it's something like that, right? Yeah, if he if he's if he's affordable on that, now I want to pay him to say that. Was he the voice <laughs> of the Sonic, Sonic in voice. the cartoons? He he was he he was at least the voice of Sonic in like the like the one that was much more geared towards kids. Okay. Not the one where he was literally fighting Robotnik who was turning people into animal robot slave hybrids. Yes. That's right, because there was the dark one and then there was the not as dark one, right? Well, actually, let's see, Sonic, Sad AM. That's what that's what people usually call it. Cast. It it does look like he was the voice of Sonic at one point. Um the in three animated series from the nineteen nineties. Oh, he must he he must have done both of them, maybe. It says he did yeah. three even, so yeah. Well, I, I'm sure he may yeah, I'm sure he may have done a different one, but like Yeah. Oh Jaleel White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not uh, Jamal White. And... Jaleel White. I just looked it up. He is on Cameo. Cameo, oh. that's it. it but <laughs> actually, now that Dave brings it up, though, is he on OnlyFans? That's what I really want to know. <laughs> I gotta get my gotta get my Jaleel White fix. J- Jaleel White and like a mankini. Like I, I, I might, uh, I might be here for that. What if, what if he's nothing but feet pics? <laughs> it's just Urkel's feet. <laughs> At the end, podcast over. <laughs> All right, on that oh. note. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should, we, should we actually talk uh, about the episode? <laughs> yeah. So, any, anyways, w- welcome everyone to Exo Friends, the Exo Squad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. As always, I am David Hoyt, and I am joined by... Kayvon Fishami. And Lexi DeCorning. And uh, today we're talking about Under the Skin, uh, Season 2, Episode 17, and Episode... 30 of this podcast yes i think that's right hey our 30th uh, episode huh nuts yeah well, our, thir- our 30th mainline episode i think technically it's like episode 32 or something okay. like that but still crazy yeah uh, if you're uh still with us, thanks for listening <laughs> yeah yeah uh this is always always amazed that anyone listened to this um <laughs> Today, uh, this episode was written by Mark and Matthew Edens. And if what I'm reading is correct, Matthew Edens is Mark Edens' brother. Oh, that's red. Yeah. That would be a weird coincidence to have two different Edenses working on the same show who are not related. Yeah. Because I feel like that's not it's, a common last name here, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's what I was about to say. It's like, that doesn't, that's not really a common last name. So. Yeah. If they weren't related in some way, I would have been surprised. Yeah, and uh, Matthew and Mark seem like the kind of names parents like. Ooh. You know, if you have like a set of parents that name Matthew, make one kid Matthew, I feel like Mark's like not a hard stretch. Um, yep, yep. High likelihood. Maybe there's a Peter and a Paul in that family also. Yeah, very biblical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I've got to have enough kids to fill up my disciple party. <laughs> I know, right? I got to have 12 here. got to get all apostles. I I used to work with a guy who uh, he after he had his after he had his first kid I was uh, I asked him so are you gonna have any more and uh, he was like I gotta have more how else will I field an entire soccer team oh my god amazing and and then his wife was like shut up yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. I have to squeeze these little bastards out you fuck right off. <laughs> Uh, uh, Matthew appears to have uh, a fairly active career since the eighties. Uh, uh, I think I think the best thing I saw on his on his sheet was uh, the longest stint of writing credits that he has it was on a true crime series called Snapped, all about the hilarious topic of when people snap and kill other people, oh, <laughs> usually their spouses. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, I don't know uh, if I've seen this. It sounds like right up your alley, though, hon. Uh, I know, I love true crime (laughs) uh, There are 30 seasons of this show That started in 2004 Let that serve as a warning (laughs) (laughs) And the spinoff Snapped Notorious That has three seasons Yeah Yeah. Wow Uh, True crime has been very easy to Make and produce as a genre So I'm not totally shocked and it's also right. super popular, so yeah. And the descriptions of these shows are pretty, pretty solid. Uh, the frustrated wife of a multi-millionaire convinced her lesbian lover to kill her husband. Her fatal mistake was ditching the sapphic spouse slayer soon after the crime. Points for alliteration, is all I'll say. Yes. The sapphic spouse slayer, like nicely done. I want that on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, as your spouse, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it doesn't mean anything, Cable. No. <laughs> um. Uh, on to the show, though. Uh, hang on, Olivia or Lydia? Get it wrong every time. Uh, let's actually, yeah, let's figure this out. Um, well, yeah, let's yeah, let's finally look it's it up. Lydia, but maybe it's, it's, I'm sure like it's, it's Olivia. Lydia. Livia. Li- yeah. Livia. Livia. With a V. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Livia. All right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Phaeton and Livia are uh, going into a Neosapien, what looks like a cloning mad science facility, uh, arguing about if a clone of a human would remain loyal to Phaeton just because it's a Neosapien. And would it stay loyal enough to kill Winfield? And as they're having the conversation, we see that they have cloned dun 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 Alice Noretti. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, who is? It was a it was a very tasteful reveal because there's some like well placed bubbles, you know. Um, well, it it looked it looked very much like um, the the exact placement of the tears on the Venusian billboard yes. to cover up uh, what what. What, what is that painting called? Or what is the woman in that painting called? Venus. Oh, the birth of Venus? Be- yeah. 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 To... I, don't, I don't know if that was on purpose or if that's just the convenient way to draw censorship bubbles. I but, think that's, um, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's just you can't have, you know, uh, <laughs> you can't have secondary fe- sex features or whatever on a fucking kids TV show. So you got to put some bubbles over them. I do uh, feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel like there was a bit of a birth of Venus vibe going to that. Um, you know, like whenever they, uh, 
we're you know kind of writing the script for that i'm sure they gave the artist like the birth of venus as a reference potentially because it does kind of have that feel to it a little bit i think i think you're Maybe. onto something there dave and i wonder if that wasn't like one of the reference images for that for that moment yeah and she also has this dramatic eye opening at the end of the scene where like i can i could hear the mental dun 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 in in my in my head <laughs> right. when alice already when the clone's eyes open yeah yeah, Kayvon also noticed that they cloned yeah. her earring. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, she's got her earrings on. I guess those were genetic. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, why does she have earrings? <laughs> we have to make sure it's... A well, you put the earrings in, so she has the piercing. And that way, that way the clone will... I mean, I guess you could just pierce him when she got out, but... Shut up. Because <laughs> no, you would think like it's much easier to clone the earrings into her as the body is being like developed than to just pierce her ears once she gets out of the vat. Right. I mean, because like I, yeah. I don't have a degree in genetics. I'll just go ahead and say I'm not a doctor of genetics, but. <laughs> I feel like when you're cloning someone, you probably want to clone them in a sterile environment. That's probably part of the idea here, right? Like you're the clo the tube is a sterile environment. You probably don't open it up to put stuff in there while you're growing them. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so like did they somehow just genetically? <laughs> like, like how, how does this? I'm curious. I just want to know. Uh, well, I mean, if you actually knew anything about the female body, Kayvon, you'd know that they're born with earrings. Oh, so. yeah. all right. Well, you know, that's yeah. my bad for, you know, just being a, just a simpleton I, with I, a PhD in media studies. Re, re, read a book, you Neanderthal. <laughs> you know, I came out of the womb with like giant diamante hoops on. Uh, just, <laughs> Sick. I could see it. I could see it. Uh, the... It, part of part of this is uh, Phaeton telling uh, Livia that he's going to put the clone onto a prisoner convoy, and then we immediately after this see the prisoner convoy uh, liberated by the Earth Resistance forces. And at some after they liberate them, Eve uh, walks up and meets Alice, and she says, "I'm an exotrooper, and I need to get back to my squad." And the question the question I had when Alice died was when the first time that JT met the Earth Resistance. Right. Do you think he talked to them about Alice at all? Like, is there is there a possibility that years later Eve would have known who Alice was? Um, maybe. I, you know, I mean, with as much as like JT like is always like carrying around a photo of her, which we can probably talk about a little <laughs> later. How kind of weird that is. Um. It's possible. I mean, it also might just be you got to figure out how many exotroopers are POWs and are probably mm -hmm. held in camps on Earth doing stuff. And it might just be like, oh, this like for, you know, for them, how often do they do these liberation missions? And then how often are they actually liberating uh, soldiers in the process? And then just like, oh, it's another one. Just like get them off to Exofleet Command. It's like third time this week. <laughs> we got another i mean yeah but like you got to figure it's like how many pow's i mean maybe the neosapiens don't take prisoners that often but i feel like if they were like let's mix her in with the with the civilian population there has to be a decent number of pow's yeah yeah well and also i think definitely if alice had been like i'm part of able squad Eve would have been like oh i know who they are but <laughs> yeah they're like the only people who ever visit <laughs> 
we go back to Venus, and Able Squad is continuing to clear up the last of the Neosapien forces on Venus. Uh, with the help of jump troops, they flank a small a small group of Neosapiens. One of them manages to jump out of his E-frame and escape, and Colleen O'Reilly chases chases that Neosapien down by herself on foot, um, only to be assisted by J.T. Marsh, who kind of subdues him, and uh, they they capture that single Neosapien. Avery just... comes in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, oh, the, Neosapien, gonna... the Neosapien just, like, jumps a log and, like, runs right into JT, though, right? Yeah. He like, wasn't JT's hiding. just standing there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I, um, I, 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 I say, though, like, this is another one of those, like, little touches that I do really like in this show you know because we were uh talking last time about that like opening with just like all these like defeated broken neo-sapiens like they're kind of showing them as objects of pity they go from being like these horrible villains to being these just like absolutely downtrodden and broken looking like almost victims in a way and you kind of you can't help but feel bad for them it's like the opening of last episode just really dwells on that on their just like absolute Mm -hmm. despondency and then we get this moment where you have Colleen O'Reilly, like tough soldier, no doubt, no doubting her courage, no doubting any of this stuff, like has this guy in her sights. She's about to pull the trigger and she can't do it. And it's just like that mm-hmm. little moment of mercy, that little moment of like acknowledging this Neo Sapiens humanity is and putting herself at risk to then chase him down mm-hmm. and like try and capture him. It's. I think, again, like this, it's those little touches that make this show what it really is and make it, I think, like a, a just a, a standout among like a, a really great era of cartoons. Right. Because the quote unquote easy and uh, and pragmatically safer thing would have been for her to just shoot him because she had him in her sights. Yeah. And right? it would have made perfect sense, you know, it, like, you know, writing this scene in where it's like, not only is she, we're showing like her capacity for mercy, but we're kind of positioning Neo Sapiens as something worthy of mercy. Just yeah. yeah, it's like that's that's pretty high level stuff for a kids show, and that's what makes this yeah. I think like this show so enduring, and why it has like I think such a committed fan base. Twenty, what are we? Twenty five years later. Mm-hmm. And, and and while Colleen may not be like best friends with Marsala, she definitely knows him. So, like, I could even see it being something that, like, his presence has directly affected how other people feel about the situation. Right. I'm sure. Right. You know, if you if you learn to see him as, as something, as, you know, a human, you know, it gets harder to dehumanize the other ones. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, yeah. might also be part of his, uh, you know... Um, motivation for joining extra squad in the first place is like because that's i'm sure it was one of the things that we don't ever really dig into enough on the show and it's like maybe this is part of it is just like i'm going to go make these people see that i'm human i couldn't beat them militarily but i'm gonna go and i'm gonna win them over this way like yeah. i'm a, i am a person i'm a human being i have feelings and, and needs and desires same as you like and I mean, if you if you think about it, like in a certain way, Marsala is kind of an unsung hero because the rebellion that he led did lead to some not a great version of it, but a much better life for the Neo Sapiens. Yeah, it gets the balls rolling on their liberation. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could definitely do with a prequel series. Also, yeah. with it. And that that would be a very cool part to do it to to have in it where like 
after the rebellion, the, there was probably a big political fight about what to do with the Neo Sapiens after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see a little bit of that here at the end of the series, even, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, parts of the scene that I really like. I like it. It, it almost seemed weird to the to me that the jump shippers were not in their like jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. Because, like, to me, those things look like they provide a lot of good protection. But they're all using, like, their gigantic jump trooper guns. <laughs> right. Right. Which you would kind of almost be forgiven for thinking they would have a hard time lifting without their, you know, semi-powered suits. But they're obviously uh-huh. all, like, tur- turbo strong nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Avery Avery chews out Colleen for for running off, and we get this little this good little interaction between him and Marsh, where Marsh is like, uh, "Well, we're supposed to take we're supposed to take prisoners, whatever we can." And Avery basically told him to shut the fuck up, Marsh. This yeah. is my trooper, right? Well, and he pulls rank on him too, right? Because he's a captain, so oh, yeah. he's like lieutenant. Because um, yeah, I think I think JT in that scene calls him sir, and I was like, wait a minute, it's like, oh yeah, he does outrank JT, doesn't he? And then he's just like, blah blah blah, lieutenant, and it's like, who's sick? He just puts you in your place. <laughs> oh, I, I, I really would not have known as a child of. as well, like especially coming from a country without a huge military presence. So I'd be like, okay, whatever. I don't know who's in charge here. What's going on? <laughs> Well, I, and there's also all these like weird, confusing like crossover ranks that like I sometimes don't get like the like warrant officer versus regular officer, and when a warrant officer outranks the regular officer, there's all kinds of weird shit to that. But I don't think I don't think Avery is like a warrant officer. I think he's like a legitimate officer. I think he's a captain. Um, yeah, like so he's or a commissioned officer is the right term, not legitimate. Yeah. Warrant officers are legitimate officers. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing you're doing a violence to the a, a discursive violence to military ranks, Dave. I could be, I could be. Some, somewhere yeah. your dad is shaking his head. But yeah, my my dad kept Captain Hoyt. He's real of the Navy is really disappointed that I didn't understand these rankings. Oh. Uh, I, I, I also I also like the the Neo Sapien tried like the pocket sand, but with a grenade. He's like, ha ha. <laughs> And it didn't even do anything to JT. He was like, ah, he's like, why? It's like, was it a flashbang? Like, what did he throw at him? Yeah. Uh, the other thing they said was, um, they st- they said something about using dogs to track down the Neo Sapiens. I think, and so it was like, there aren't any more dogs on Venus, not since the famine. Does, oh, does that mean they ate the dogs? Oh god, yeah, I, that's what I assumed. I'm yeah. pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what that meant. <laughs> I only, I just assumed that they all starved to death. I didn't, yeah, oh, dark. Ooh. Yeah, I assumed the dogs got eaten. Yeah, but, they, they you definitely know, it could did. Be, could be a bit of both situation. <laughs> Those that didn't get yeah. eaten starved. What a, what, a, what a joyful conversation. Kid, kid me is glad they didn't dwell on that, so he didn't they had to think about it too much. Adult me is like, oh. Oh, poor Buster. <laughs> Uh, Dark. J, uh, J, JT and Marsala, uh, after this, are back at camp uh, enjoying a fire, and Colleen joins them. Um, JT says he has to go on a patrol and asks if Colleen wants to come with him in Marsala's tandem E-frame. JT, basically asking her. Yeah, right? 
Uh, he's 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 a player. Oh, I see. Um, I actually have that in your notes too, JT. You <laughs> slide dog. I just I didn't. I thought you were I just. I thought you were just skipping ahead and, and say that. Thor, I didn't. But yeah, JT. My goodness. Like, want to want to ride on my e-frame? Um, well, because she says something like, "I don't know how you get around in those big things or whatever," or like she makes some sort of comment. Um, you know, kind of pointing out the differences between the jump troops and the E-frames. Like, I think she calls them, like, something like rock jockeys. <laughs> she, yeah, like, I, I think... know, She uses, like, this kind of playful, like, derogatory term for the E-frames or whatever. And that's when yeah. he invites her. He's like, oh, you know, why don't you come along and, like, see for yourself what it's like. And uh, so they go out in the patrol and uh, Colleen learns that um, JT, you know, the one of the things that, made, that got him to join Nexofleet was the idea, was that he'd be able to fly which he loves to do um and when they get back they have this flirtatious moment when they get out of the e-frame and jt basically asks her out on another date and she's like oh but you know we shouldn't date within our own command and he's just like well it's a good thing i'm uh not in your not in your platoon yeah <laughs> but yeah <he's laughs> still like she's non she's like a he's a commissioned officer and she's not it's like uh I mean, okay, but I, I guess they're probably maybe regulations are a little lax during wartime, especially when you are yeah, just kind you, of scraping the barrel for troops here. Yeah. In this in this situation, find your happiness where you can get it, right? Yeah, true. I mean, you're kind of yeah locked in a genocidal war whose outcome is still not yet certain. Yeah, fair. Uh, afterwards, JT and Alex both have nightmares about. Oh wait, uh, yeah, so. They have this tender moment, and at this point, Alice walks up, yeah. and JT is surprised because he thought she was dead. Yeah, which, you know, definitely is, like, for someone, he's, like, obviously dwelt on her a lot over the uh, ensuing. How long has it been since that mission? Like, it's, I guess, a couple of years at this point? It's been at least two, it's been at least two years, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely, like, kept dwelling on her can we talk about the fact that he keeps her picture now or should we save that for later yeah yeah no that's fine it, uh I mean, we, we've talked about that before like, I, yeah true i mean it's just like let's is, can we re- revisit because again like he talk, he talks about it a little more in this episode about how keep he keeps her picture because like i think it's like in the next scene when he's talking to alec um about how this, like, she's the only trooper he's ever lost under his command, um, which uh, people who know where the show is going, that's actually kind of an interesting bit of foreshadowing considering what's about to happen, uh, you know, 10 or 15 episodes down the line here. Uh, do you guys get what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting. But nevertheless, um, it uh, it just seems kind of weird to, that he keeps, because, like, the photo he keeps of her, too, is very much like the kind of photo. First off, how did he get it? Second of all, it's the kind of photo that someone gives to, like, their sweetheart. You know, it's like a nice little headshot, like, smile. Well, and th- that's that's what I always thought. Like, despite the conversation he literally just had with Colleen, um, I was always under the impression that he and Alice had a pre-existing relationship before she joined the squad. Right. Yeah. And that's why he had that photo and part of the reason why he cared so much. But maybe I'm wrong on that because, like, there really isn't any other indication no. that yeah. I can think of. 
Yeah, I mean, you might be able to read into it and say, like, okay, no, but you can't date inside your command, and she definitely would have been in his command, so maybe he didn't tell anybody they used to have their relation a relationship to kind of keep it on the hush-hush. Mm-hmm. But it is... It's strange. Yeah. Like, yeah. kid me, kid I mean, me I, was I, like, I get... oh yeah, of course he has her picture. That makes total sense. But adult me is like, weird. Well, yeah. the show is written for children, so maybe they also anticipated, like, okay, if we were to set this up for mm. kids, kids might not read romance into it necessarily, or like, I don't know. It's It's difficult to say. I think from an adult perspective... Yeah, it is a bit weird. It's especially when you're like, how many conversations has he even had with her before she dies in that um, accident or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no indication that they actually even really knew each other. But I guess the symbolism or the significance of it is that she's the first troop that he ever lost, and so you know he wants to keep that picture of her to hold himself to a higher standard. Although I agree with you, like the actual picture itself is not <laughs> what we might think of as like a platonic. I don't know. It's not even a sexy picture though, so. Maybe we're overthinking this whole picture thing. Oh, we're definitely overthinking <laughs> it. But <laughs> I, mean, I still, yeah. That's but, the point of the show, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we overthink, you know, kids shows from our past. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems strange. And it's like, how did he? Where did he get this picture from? Did he pull it out of her personnel file? Like, what is the? Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, overthinking it for he sure. Facebook but it's just weird. weird. Yeah, Exobook. <laughs> in the metaverse you can buy photos of people you barely know uh oh man so so in 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 a reboot do you think like i bet they they could boot, they could do a whole bunch of stuff with like afterwards like how phaeton uses social media to push his propaganda and everything oh, sick. oh my gosh yes yeah amanda what's her face um amanda is amanda connor's yeah. Yeah, she yeah. would be like a basically like an Instagram influencer, not a news lady. <laughs> I'm I'm only letting you live because of how many Twitter followers you have. <laughs> I mean, but for real, it's like you right? have 45 million followers. <laughs> like I can't kill you. <laughs> oh man, that would be fantastic. Yeah, and you could have all kinds of like grim episodes about like how they track people on social media and like yeah, you could do some really fun stuff I think with that. Yeah uh after after the after alec and jt wake or uh wake up from a both having a simultaneous nightmare about alice's death um jt finds alice with marsala sitting at the fire and uh she says she can't sleep and he also you know says like yeah, you're not Marsala. You're not. You need sleep uh, because you're human, which is. It, it's. I almost wonder: Would the episode have been better if we didn't know she was a clone? That's a. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, that could be fun. I, I think that could have been kind of cool to play yeah. it out like that. Yeah, he, if he, they kind of like laid out some clues for you like this, and instead of like it just being constantly like just kind of hitting you over the head with it, it's like oh, you have to kind of put the pieces together. Yeah, we get we get three or four big clues. Like I think there's like three clues, and then finally Marsala is like, okay, hold on a second, uh, when he gets the final clue that confirms it for him, um, because like. 
from from a storytelling perspective, they're just rehashing something the audience already knows. Right. But like, had we not known, maybe like you know, it would have been really cool if on that third clue you'd been like, something's wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This seems really strange. Yeah. Because they really, I mean, and it's just like, just in case you missed the point too, I think, and he's like, Marcelo might not need sleep because he's a Neo Sapien. You do, Alice. And then there's like a really sharp, like, kind of trumpet blast. And it's like, bram! She's a Neo Sapien. It's like, I know you just told me that like literally three minutes ago. Um, yeah. And, and all you really would have had to do to do it is just cut out the first scene with Phaeton and Livia. Yeah. Start it, start it right when uh, Eve and the Resistance are freeing the convoy. Yeah. And he'll just yeah. drop that scene in, you know, like a little later as like a flashback. You yeah. know, when she takes yeah. her first shot at Winfield later in the episode, then just like do a little like dissolve and fade into that like moment. And Deborah would be like, Ooh, oh, what oh, if shit? Yeah, I should have seen it all along. So, well, what if. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's every E-frame that does this or just the one that's going to come up in later episodes. What if like Marsala at the end had plugged in and gotten like a flashback memory like meld into what Alice had because she was hooked into the same system. That would have been sweet. Yeah. 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 That would have been a and nice that's and that's when we would have seen and that's when you would have seen the scene with Phaeton Olivia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been well, you know, if you guys do a live action remake, you're welcome to borrow that idea. Yes. If, I'm assuming you're listening the... to Jeff Segal and whoever does. <laughs> Um. Uh, the next scene is in a mess hall, and Bronski bangs back a puppy, and it's another hint. Uh, the puppy is like, um, it it doesn't like Alice, and Alice leaves saying, "Oh, you know, dogs have never liked me." And the dog stops barking, but then it starts barking again when Marsala walks into the room. Da da da. What a coincidence! Right. And I think we get another like little blast of music, don't we? at that moment yep yeah yep also the fact that like it's pissing down rain i think around this scene also like kind of adds to the ominous texture and stuff which again is like Mm -hmm. a little wasted because they already give you the they already give away the gag at the beginning and it's like if they'd had this just like kind of ominous weather and everything going on and it's just i don't know it would have been a nice touch in a in a perfect world this would have been like like a like a three or four episode like horror arc, yeah. Where like things are going wrong around the base or or around Able Squad, and they can't figure out why. And it's yeah. Neretti, yeah. And you like you know you, you, there's enough there that you can kind of be like, I don't I don't feel good about this whole Neretti thing. What's going on here? But it's yeah. not enough that like it gives it away yet. And maybe throw some red Ooh, herrings what? and like MacGuffins in there where it's like, oh, like maybe it's like somebody, maybe there's a few new people that are introduced and you're like, which one of them is the. Mm. What, what if they had a red herring where like she actually stopped Barca from doing something yeah. and they caught Barca, but then later they figured out Alice was the Neo Sapien and they had to let Barca go. Because he convinced them that it was actually Alice doing the sabotage that he was doing. Did she framed him? <laughs> yeah, that would be super sweet. Just like, oh man, yeah. Because then you just because like we would all know Bark is a traitor, and just be like, God damn it, he was off his caught, son of a bitch. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we we should, we should we should just be us writing this. 
I have years of experience writing scripts. No, I don't. <laughs> I've got a bunch of comments. Okay. So. Some uh, anyway, after after the mess hall, Noretti goes to talk to JT privately about rejoining the squad as a pilot. Um, he tells her that you know you can't fly unless you're cleared by medical, and even says like, "Why didn't you get checked out at Vespa before you came here?" Mm. And she kind of skirts around the the topic, and and um, JT tells her how he also doesn't want to let her up because he blames himself for her capture because uh, he thinks that the you know one of the reasons that she didn't make it down safely was because she wasn't experienced enough um also i had to go back and watch the episode no they didn't i was i, I was gonna say didn't alec like find her remains or something but no, he didn't. He he just said she burned up on entry, and we lost well, contact with her. Yeah, that was her that assumption. was actually that was that was going to be my question at the end of the like I'll talk about this episode is like how did Phaeton get her genetic material in the first place? <laughs> just found just found a crash with a fucking like de- desiccated burned husk. Just, just, like, like there's a spear like, left. Oh, no. That's a, I mean, that's a good question, though. I mean, and how did he know? And like, that how she, did he know? Yeah, yeah, that she was like on the squad. I mean, maybe they like hacking what it is or whatever. Maybe they have like personnel files and stuff, and maybe there is like a genetic. Maybe they take genetic tags or something in personnel files. I don't know. It seems weird. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of unexplained questions about how this happened, and like. I don't, I don't know if they're trying to imply that this Alice has the old Alice's memories, because I, I don't she think does she does. To some extent, but uh, How? okay. So let's keep talking because later in the episode there does seem to be some like identity confusion stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about yeah. Okay, talked about that. Um, Colleen comes in like as Alice like. Very, very platonically, really, like has her hand on JT's shoulder, and she immediately—it seems like she immediately jumps to the conclusion that Alice and JT have a relationship, and uh, she's like, "Well, I guess you're not so uh, against inner squad relationships." And then she kind of leaves. Um, JT tries to uh, leave, meets up with Marsala, um, and Alice telling him before a mission that he wants Alice to go with Nara in their E-frame while he accompanies the jump troops to attack a group of Neo-Sapien um, soldiers. And um, Marsala says, well, she's not cleared to fly. And JT says, well, she'll just be the gunner. Nara will be the pilot, which answers the question we had a few episodes ago. Who flies that E-frame? Yeah. I think, I think at this point it's Nara, yeah, right? Definitely. Um, Most likely. I mean, oh, I imagine they like trade off. Oh yeah, oh, maybe they do. Yeah, I imagine like yeah, Marcella has access to flight controls if he needs it, just in case something happens or mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, I imagine it seems like yeah, he's the he's the gunner. Yeah. Um. 
the we we cut to the group of neo sapiens that they're about to attack they're repairing their e-frames in a cave uh able squad approaches and acts as kind of like a spearhead for the jump troops and yeah i i love uh, like the jump troops jump out of their ship behind able squad and marcella's with them and he just gets like a jetpack and he's just like yeah this is fine i'll i'll, I'll I'm just as safe as everyone else. <laughs> I don't need armor or anything. I'm a Neo Sapien, whatever. I'm motherfucking Marsala. <laughs> yeah, I'm right? invincible. I, he's like, I was bred to do binding on Mars. <laughs> like, I don't need your armor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, if you, like, there's a whole bunch of action that goes on in this. And at some point, like, there's three E-frames and Bronski launches his, like, super cool, like, multi-warhead grenade. And two <laughs> of the E-frames behind, like, the commander one just run away <laughs> when the commander gets fucking owned by this grenade. It's like, screw this. See you later, sir. Bye. Okay, fair enough. What, Lexi, what did you like it to? Oh my god, it looks like um, Viagra. <laughs> Those little like blue, because it like shoots out this like big blue projectile thing that then breaks into like lots of little parts. And I was like, oh yeah, it looks little blue like triangles. Little yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will get a rise out of you. <laughs> Actually, and I'm looking. Uh. I'm I'm not wrong because like the shape even like the Viagra comes in a kind of like little diamond shape, um, like pull or whatever. So yeah, they man. actually do look remarkably similar. <laughs> it's like, they've mastered boner pill tech. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's, if I, if, yeah, I'm watching, I've got it like kind of playing in the background as we're chatting and like the, uh, the poor commander's E-frame blows up and there's actually like a quick grim little shot of his like face yeah. plate just shattering on the ground, like flying out of the explosion and shattering. And it's like, he's dead. Like yeah. <laughs> that, that poor yeah. guy is pulverized. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, um, kind of overkill too, because it's like it's just one. It's like Bronski's like super secret, hot, top, like top of the line ultra tech weapon, <laughs> just like paste one poor Neo Sapien. Well, you thought he was gonna hit the other two, but apparently they were too smart. They're like, nope, we're out. <laughs> Keep your fusion Viagra. I'm out of here. Uh. Alice and Nara pursue some of the Neo Sapiens down the tunnels in stealth mode, and they're like trying to get them to surrender peacefully. But then three jump troopers turn around the corner, and a fight breaks out. So they kind of both groups flank the Neo Sapiens and and uh, take them down. Um, so, Alice, isn't Alice, this also a point where Alice asks Nara, like, "Why don't we just shoot them yeah. up?" And Nara's like, well, yep. that's that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to take people peacefully. Like, we're not trying to kill more people if we can help it. Um, yeah, it's like a nice little moment. Start, starting to wear away at uh, Alice's brainwashing, I guess? But... Yeah. Yeah. Or if she's like, I mean, kind of maybe also kind of akin to a newborn in some ways. Like, she's obviously a fully functioning yeah. adult. But, like, you got to wonder, like, what level is her actual, like, mental development at at this point? That that was more the way I took it. Like I took it like you know Neo Sapiens, like it seems like they come out of the tank basically fully capable as an adult. Um, like I kind of assumed that Alice was was like her clone was finished. She got up, Phaeton or someone gave her orders and you know basically fed her 
fed her the party line like you are you may look like a human but you're actually a neo sapien so you must fight on our side otherwise they will destroy us all and that's probably the assumption that she's going under yeah um jt updates winfield after the fight and uh, winfield says i'm going to come down and see the situation for myself just so i have a better idea of what's going on uh alice asks to speak to jt wait sorry my notes are confusing alice has to speak with jt alone asking about marcella oh yeah uh after after that alice uh speaks with jt about marcella basically asking like how does your how does the squad let him be on the squad like why do they trust marsala um and she learns now that winfield is coming down and she kind of goes off somewhere else uh because she says to him she's like but isn't marsala the enemy like why doesn't everyone hate him and jt says no phaeton is the enemy like neo sapiens are also just people caught in this conflict and so we just you know we just want to end the war like that's our priority it's not about um near sapiens being the enemy per se yeah yeah uh, and and marsala goes to go back to his ephraim and as he's walking by you can tell that he's really starting to get suspicious of Noretti, or maybe it's a stay animation thing because as he walks by he gives her like this are you fucking kidding me side eye <laughs> yeah and i mean maybe there's to some extent you know he's grew up around neo sapiens yeah it's it's pretty good side hey actually i'm looking at it here now um but i wonder if he's not like this actually kind of reminds me of when we come out of the tube and we have this like kind of almost childlike curiosity about things and like confusion Mm -hmm. about basic principles and stuff like that and i wonder if he's not like this sounds familiar yeah yeah He's, see, he's seeing the signs at this point. He's, he's suspicious. Yeah. And his suspicions are confirmed quickly after that when he gets back into his E-frame and he tries to hook up in the spot where Alice was just sitting. Um, and he immediately goes to JT and he's like, Alice Naredi is a Neo-Sapien. Uh, and he tells her that, or he tells JT that his E-frame di- has to reconfigure when it, because Neo-Sapien brains are not exactly the same as human brains. But when he just sat where Alice was, it didn't have to reconfigure. And JT doesn't want to believe it. And he's and Marcella's like, don't let your emotions get in the way of your of what you of the facts that are in your face right now, because he brings up everything else, like the dog, the no sleep, and and other things. Mm-hmm. And uh JT is like, I'm not being emotional, and then immediately describes why he's being emotional. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, can we also just take a moment to talk about exactly how her DNA uh, It's probably w- way overthinking what is still a kid's show, but okay. So she's human on the outside has a Neo sapien brain or there, is she like a Neo sapien on the inside? What's the difference between Neo sapiens and humans on the inside? I have a lot of questions. Basically. Yeah. I, 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 I it's weird so it it almost implies that um the only way we know how to make clones is to make neo sapiens with outward features right Mm -hmm. like we don't actually know how to clone a human we can just make new humans i suspect cloning humans is probably illegal 
Um, Pro- oh, maybe it is. Yeah, I yeah. imagine cloning humans because there's probably some like it seems like there's some still functioning, but probably deeply corrupt version of democracy still going on. There's probably some kind of constitution, some sense of human rights. So, like, it, there's probably a point where what you make is too human, and then it gets qualified under mm-hmm. human rights, and you can't, say, enslave it and stuff. So, like, probably cloning humans is illegal. That's why they make weird giant blue men instead and try and pretend like they're not humans, which gets kind of back to our discussion at the beginning. Well, get it, getting – yeah, getting back to the bad, like, capitalist read on it. What if someone had invented cloning technology, but it was outlawed? And then someone was like, well, then let's not just clone people. Let's just make people. And they based it on that technology. Yeah. And then Nestle was like, sweet, we can get slaves this way. (laughs) It definitely was Nestle, too. Fun fact, uh, you know, the Supreme Court definitely did just decide it's totally fine for Nestle to use uh, child slave labor in in West Africa. Oh, great. Because it's not happening in America. So it doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, to also kind of answer, like, why would people make space slaves? It's like, well, <laughs> I mean, whoever it was, yeah. it was like, yeah, we're all space cat or we're all space slaves under capitalism. It's like, yeah, you're kind of, you're not wrong, man. Because there's lots of terrible precedent for it being extremely effective. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, anyway, right? uh, I'm sad now. <laughs> I made well, myself sad. Isn't it great that this episode has such a happy ending? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for Colleen. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Stop. <laughs> she, uh, she, um, she, she clears the way to get to JT's heart. Yeah, that's why it would happen. Oh man. Oh, I. Oh, now I hate that ending. <laughs> okay, so JT's um, in denial, basically, about Alice being yeah. a neo sapien on the inside. Yeah. Uh, uh, but at the, but this he, point that she like she kind of starts to wig out a bit, right? Yeah, well, she hears she she hears Winfield is coming down, so she goes to get back in Marsala's Ephraim, right as JT is like, "Well, I gotta find her and figure out if this is right or if Marsala is right." Um, and she goes to attack Winfield. Uh, she she stealths up um, to kind of knocks out. Avery and someone else and kidnaps Winfield and starts flying down the tunnel. And Winfield is, of course, rightfully fucking confused. He's just like, just like what? What's going on? <laughs> right. uh, and uh, as she's like re- almost ready to kill him, JT's flying towards them. And she, she has this like, breakdown where she's like no i'm not i'm not a neo-sapien i'm alice naredi i don't have to do this and she tries to escape and that's what that's what you were talking about earlier right lexi with that moment when she's like realizing she doesn't have to do this yeah that, i mean and that is a little bit what's confusing about this and i kind of wonder if by cloning i don't know if we call it the alice naredi skin on top of the neo-sapien uh internal whatever like brain structure whatever like is there part of Alice somehow still in there, like a genetic memory or whatever? Because she does seem to be confused at this point about like, am I a Neo-Sapien? Am I an Alice already? Like, I don't know. It's it's ambiguous and the show doesn't really resolve it for us, but I think there's some yeah. interesting uh, questions to be explored there. I think... Well, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay. No, you first. I, I think also, you know, I mean, I kind of like thinking about it maybe as like, actually, it isn't Alice already like at all. 
it's her neo sapien brain kind of displaying again a capacity for deeper level thinking you know like higher morality all this sort of stuff where she's like her neo sapien she as a neo sapien is weighing like do i need to do this will killing this man in the war are we in the right is phaeton really the bad guy just given everything that i've seen and i know like mm. maybe because like there's also a kind of high-minded moral moment where uh, JT says, like, we don't, ass- Exo Fleet doesn't assassinate. Because she asked him, like, should we kill Phaeton? Then he's like, Exo Squad doesn't do assassinations. Which was, like, used to be a like, kind of hilarious line about the United States. Like, we don't do assassinations. <laughs> which was never true, but we don't even pretend we don't anymore. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, like, I feel like there's, like, that kind of high-minded moral moment. And so she kind of gets this JT's moral example and is like, this is wrong. I shouldn't do this. Mm. And it's just her actual own neo-sapien brain thinking this through and coming to these conclusions. Yeah. Which makes the what happens next all the more tragic, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, she, she's flying away. Um, JT manages to, in like, uh, damage her e-frame just a little bit and like no one else in the tunnel really knows what's going on they just know that like someone's trying to get away and they're supposed to stop them and she's she's almost out of the tunnel but colleen um shoots her down and she ends up crashing into a wall and presumably dying immediately i mean Um, the last shot we see of not alice herself like what's left of her e-frame is just like a, a bunch of flames and yeah. then JT looking very um, morose, like standing over this remains of her E-frame. Yeah, yeah. just despondent. Yeah. Um, and uh, Colleen says, you know, I, I don't I don't think that Colleen meant to kill her. Mm. I think that he she was trying to disable yeah. her E-frame, but, you know, it was what it was, and she she lost control and ran into that wall because of it. Um, yeah. Colleen probably didn't even know who was in the E-frame to be honest. She just did her duty. Yeah. But it's just kind of funny. Yep. Cause then it's like, it's her paving the way. <laughs> it's like taking out the competition for JT. <laughs> Shame. Not, not a, not a healthy way to begin a relationship. Everyone. No, yeah and then at the end of that episode we see as like jt like sadly gets in his e-frame and he pulls that picture of already out and he puts it on the windscreen facing him and it's autographed also it's signed alice it is yeah so yeah. it's like okay either they had a past relationship or and it is very much like it's like a headshot it's like kind of exactly the kind of photo you would give someone that you're close to and it just kind of like doesn't it have little hearts on it too like no hearts but we can see her ears yeah uh, which maybe she was. Born. <laughs> um, or she just has really weird deformed earlobes. But oh, maybe no, no. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Like someone saw that picture. Like Barca, like did the reconnaissance on JT, took a picture of that picture and sent it to Phaeton. And he's yeah. like, he's like, okay, if we're gonna grow a clone, we gotta make sure it has those earrings. <laughs> all right, all right. We got this. Goodness. Yeah, I don't know. It's so. I mean, maybe they did have a prior relationship, and he's just very tight-lipped about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Um, and that's 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 the end of the episode. No, no end card or anything after that. Just kind of a just kind of a tragic story. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, and really, really cementing for JT. Like, uh, I'm gonna fucking kill Phaeton. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
it's a yeah it's a dark one man it's uh definitely one it, of the darker it was very episodes. dark um yeah yeah like i thought euphoria was depressing but <laughs> fuck me exosquad <laughs> hitting you in the feels man right <laughs> how dare you child's cartoon from the 90s <laughs> right? right i mean that's the thing though, like this show is way darker than most of the stuff that was around uh, at the time you know i think like yeah. it was because like early 90s cartoons in particular i mean the x-men i guess had some dark moments there were a few dark moments in spider-man but a lot of it was like i feel like kind of more focused on like weird and zany comedy you know with like animaniacs and ren and stimpy and a lot mm. of that kind of stuff and then this show is just mm-hmm. like nope we're gonna deal with like heavy serious adult issues endlessly like there's some comic relief in the form of bronski and stuff but oh it's dark yeah I feel like a show like this would fare much better now because I think that's a lot more normal for kids' cartoons. Or, you know, the kinds of cartoons that both kids and adults can watch, like Adventure Time or Steven Universe or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just feel like we have more of a precedent now that people will let their children also watch things that are maybe a little bit more intellectually or emotionally, like, challenging. (laughs) It's probably not a bad thing for kids. We're also also in kind of a golden age of... uh, animation geared towards adults yeah right? absolutely. yeah and this this would have fit in much better in nowadays if it was done well yeah um than it probably did back yeah. then i mean handing this off to like a netflix animation studio i think you could get an amazing show out of this for sure yeah um god you know that's still a gem though for sure and I mean, honestly, yeah. rewatching it, it holds up. Like, and I think it competes with anything that you know. We yeah, we have a ton of stuff now. I mean, Castlevania, uh, but I think this holds up, <laughs> like right there with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Oh man, I remember. I remember watching the first season of Castlevania the first mm-hmm. time, and there's a scene where some dude, like Trevor, like throws a spear and hits some dude in the eye. And I don't know why I just thought of this right now. But when that happened, I nearly fucking died laughing. I was, I was like, get fucked. And I just couldn't. St- like, to the point where Nancy had to like pause the show. It's like, are you done yet? I, like, I don't know why that was so fucking funny. Because the animation on that show is really good. And it is, like, it keeps humor really well. Um, absolutely wonderful. It's, like, so it's probably my favorite non-game Castlevania property out there. Um, yeah. I guess there's not a lot in that well to choose from, but nevertheless, it really, uh, it's great. It slams. Um, and it really is like, I mean, I think we're in a golden age of television in general right now. I think just because the, you know, production's gotten cheaper, there's a million more outlets for exhibition now. And then it just, it's yeah. And the niches are smaller, but still profitable enough that like you can kind of get a lot of niche targeted TV, well, even even if even if it occupies a niche, it has the ability to reach so many more people now because of distribution methods yeah. that you know a niche can quickly become popular. Yeah, much faster than it used to. Yeah, like take a show like Black Summer. I never would have guessed something like Black Summer would have become popular to the extent that it has. It's an amazing show, but it's like twenty or twenty twenty to thirty years ago, no one would have paid any attention mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. a kind of you know off the cuff zombie show uh pretty low budget in a way that like this show is then blown up i think and you know like some of that is like yeah the walking dead i think has paved the way for kind of making zombies popular and whatnot and but it really 
yeah, I think like the fact that you have this multiplication of niches has made it that such it's kind of like back in the early 90s again where it was like nobody knew what the kind of big new stuff was going to be in music and culture and a lot of other things so you just got a lot of weird kind of experimental stuff yeah yeah great time to be alive aside from all the other stuff that's going on <laughs> aside from all the yeah. child slavery and the <laughs> the fact that our government sort seems of, sort of nuclear war <laughs> yeah seems like hell-bent <laughs> on provoking a war with the other major nuclear power on earth but at least we have cool cartoons <laughs> yay hand-to-hand <laughs> in -hand into nuclear obliteration watching cool tv at least well if i have to choose a way to go i guess <laughs> the uh uh with that and that's 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 it for today's for for that episode. Yeah, on this um, note. yeah, on this bright <laughs> note, you guys got anything you want to plug or suggest uh, today? Uh, the new Scream movie. Mm. New Scream movie. Scream five. Scream five of them. Um, I was not expecting that to be a suggestion. <laughs> I I think we watched it last night with some friends, and I went into it thinking like, okay, it's gonna be stupid and cheesy, but maybe it could be stupid and cheesy in like a good fun way, and it. It really exceeded my expectations. Yes. Uh, then again, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of the original, and it was definitely made for people like me and my generation who Scream was kind of our entry point into horror, mm -hmm. I think, for a lot of, I don't know, young people of my generation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it just, it plays on that a lot. Like, it's it's very metatextual. It's very um, tongue-in-cheek about what it's doing. It kind of knows who the audience is, and it, it plays to that a lot. Yeah. It's it's goofy and it's dumb, but it's fun. And it's like it's yeah. so overly meta and aware of itself to the point where it like it goes past being cheesily meta to being kind of funny to being cheesily meta again and then funny again. That's how like just absolutely yeah. self aware <laughs> the movie is. Um and yeah, it's de it's definitely like, you know, it's a it's a fun two hours, pop some popcorn, you know, hang out on a Saturday night if you have nothing else to do, it's entertaining for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, in that regard, also, uh, you know, uh, new sequels to long-running franchises. The new Jackass, if that is your thing, is hilarious. <laughs> oh, um, absolutely yes. wonderful. Uh, we were in stitches the entire time in the theater, just like tears running down my face, laughing. It's wonderful. I have, I have never watched any Jackass. Stuff. Do you like physical comedy? Sometimes. Okay, Do it's... you like marijuana? <laughs> yes. <laughs> marijuana definitely. That's like... the missing ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I... If you're not sure okay. if you like physical comedy, you just get high and then watch this movie. <laughs> it's like, do you like physical comedy? Do you think poop is funny? If yeah, the answer is yes to those two dicks questions. Are funny. This yeah. is yeah, dicks are funny. Then this is your. See, I, I feel like that that should make me want to watch it but like i've never been motivated to just sneak it out it's always been something like i've seen in the periphery but i've never watched it it's, i mean like it's it's kind of worth you know start start with maybe like jackass 2 or jackass 3 and then kind of uh you know work your way through the franchise if you find either of those movies funny would be my recommendation it's yeah. just like it's a lot of like the dumb pranks and stupid shit we used to do as kids but just like on a massive scale with a budget gotcha and that's i don't know that's why it appeals to me because it's like oh yeah it's like all the kind of dumb stuff i used to do with my friends but like done by professional people who know how to do stunts and have a big budget like this is very entertaining yeah um okay yeah. so um uh, oh go ahead please 
the the only the only thing I uh, had to recommend to people is uh, the first season of Peacemaker just ended. Um, it is a it is a spinoff series from the last Suicide Squad movie that got made. So got got James Gunn's hand hands all over it. Um, Daniel Brooks, uh, people probably know her from Orange Is the New Black, makes the show fucking amazing. And Robert Patrick, the the same hey, the T-1000. same one from Terminator Two, yeah, T One Thousand, playing just the worst old white racist KKK member you've ever seen. Oh wow! And like killing it, just like oh, and John Cena, like I, do we do we have another wrestler turned? Like hilarious actor, I think we might. Heck like, yes, I'm here for it. <laughs> it. My favorite, my favorite line that John Cena has ever said in a movie is, "I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg." <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That is pretty good. I have to give. Yeah, that's all right. I'm here for it. Um, I, and anything, honestly, anything James Gunn touches, I'm generally here for. So yeah. Um, ever since, honestly, because what was his directorial? debut was what slither i think i think it might have and been. that movie bangs he also wrote the script for the dawn of the dead remake which surprisingly was actually like a very good movie especially because it was also helmed by Zack snyder shockingly enough um <laughs> and it's probably his only good movie i love Zack snyder personally but <laughs> anyway is that is that right what? james gunn's first J according according to his filmography. Oh, he, you're right. His his first his first direct like directorial debut primary director was was Slither, yeah. but his fir- the first movie I guess is written down that he ever worked on as an associate director was Tromeo and Juliet. Yep. yep. Which wonderful fun fun <laughs> fact people don't know. Yeah, he started out writing for. Tr- I mean, it's like man, like what a way to climb. Like starting from Troma, which if. To folks at home aren't familiar, Troma is like the company that brought us Toxic Avenger and a whole slew of just like absolutely wonderful direct to direct to video tr- uh, just schlock in the eighties and nineties. Tromeo and Juliet is probably one of my favorite Troma films. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then to climb from that all the way to doing like Marvel and comic book movies and stuff—that's a hell of a career. Also, also, he's always had my respect for like being that rare instance of someone who's like, you know what? In the past, I said some shitty things and had some shitty beliefs and those were wrong. And I'm sorry about those. And seems to have genuinely meant it. Yeah. Yeah. Like big, big thumbs up for him for that. (laughs) He's way cooler than Zack Snyder. (laughs) Or, or Joss Whedon. (laughs) (laughs) That's a podcast episode all on its own. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So one last thing too. I know I mentioned like I was working on a comic and I haven't said much about it. It is still in development. Uh, it turns out it takes a very long time to put together a 108 page first issue. Uh, so we're going to be doing like basically a very slow release novella format. We're still working on the art and stuff and getting the look down. Um, but it's probably going to be a ways off, but it's coming along really nicely. Um, and we've kind of been sending out, we have a, like a fully done, uh, draft of it. Um, that's lettered and everything, and we're just kind of finalizing art and blocking and a few other odds and ends, and texturing is the big one that's taking some time. Uh, so it's probably going to be a while. I don't have a date for it yet, but it's coming along, shopped around the uh, um, 
draft of it to a few people and it's been getting some positive feedback so far. So, you know, it's, Yes, I need to. I need to finish reading it. I've read about half of it so far. The one you said. I actually should probably said because I have like pretty very updated art also for from that very old one. So um, you know, just yeah. uh, just teasing it. I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to be done at some point, and I think it's going to be pretty fun. So sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I uh, hope everyone's doing well and having a good New Year so far, and uh, stay safe, everyone. Cheers. Thanks for listening.